Welcome to the Blueville Podcast, a podcast where we will discuss all things related to your lawn and landscape, everything from design to installation to finally maintenance and upkeep. Today we'll be talking about seeding, whether that's seeding a new lawn from bare dirt or, you know, just trying to overseed and thicken up an established stand of turf. We'll be going over the basics on how to get the seed worked into the soil, what to do after you've got it seeded, uh, how much fertilizer to apply, how much do you water, and then also we'll touch on when is the best time to seed. So, um, actually, let's start with when is the best time to seed. Um, kind of need to know that before you start in a, a big project on the on the lawn, before you start seeking time and materials and resources into getting the lawn established. You don't want to waste those, so when is the, the best time? Normally, around March and April, I will receive a deluge of emails and phone calls asking for seeding to happen in the spring. Now, seeding can happen in the spring. It's not unheard of to overseed a lawn or establish a lawn with a spring seed, but there are a few things we need to be aware of. First off, biggest thing is weeds and temperature. Crabgrass is the major weed that we deal with here in northeastern Kansas. It is an annual weed, warm season grassy weed, that uh, grows from a new seed every year. So you have to keep that in mind when you're trying to establish or overseed a lawn uh, in the spring. 99% of the time you're going to be wanting to put down crabgrass preventer on your lawn to keep those grass, grassy weeds from germinating. So if you do that, you will not be able to overseed your lawn or seed your lawn because of that crab or that crabgrass preventer is not specific to just crabgrass. It will keep all types of grassy weeds and even some broadleaf style weeds from germinating. So if you plan on putting crabgrass preventer down, you probably shouldn't be doing any seeding. The other thing is the, the temperature. Grass needs to have a really good established root system to be able to withstand our summer heat and droughts here in Kansas. Once that soil temperatures reach 90-95 degrees, grass tends to go dormant, and if it does not have a good root system, it will not make it through the summer. So if you cannot commit to watering and keeping that grass seed growing through that dormant season of the summer heat, you'll probably want to wait until the fall. And the other thing is, not only will you be battling crabgrass, there'll be other weeds that will come in throughout the season. Um, including broadleaf weeds like dandelion, clover, stuff like that. And while you can do a post-emergent control on there, a lot of times you will not have that new spring seed mature enough to handle a chemical application, and you can either stunt or even kill off that new grass seed. So that's why um, while you can uh, do some spring overseeding, those are the challenges that you will be facing. So most of the time I do try and explain that to folks and um, put it off to a, a fall seed, which would be a September timeline. A lot of times I'll start my fall seeding in August. Um, if you have an in-ground irrigation system where you can take the time to drag hose and make sure everything's irrigated just fine, you can start that in August. But uh, it is still pretty hot and dry then. So a lot of times we'll try and do the bulk of our seeding through the month of September. Um, like I said, the earliest I try and overseed or seed lawns is August, and then I'll usually kind of stop around October 15th, because that's about as late as you'll want to go. Now, of course, I'm talking about 
cool season grasses, fescues, and those kind of things. Um, warm season grasses, like buffalo, you'd want to do that in late May, June, July, when it's nice and hot. We'll, we'll probably touch on that here at the end of the podcast, but for the majority of this, we'll be focusing on a, a cool season lawn. The question I get asked first is usually, do I need to scout my lawn down low before we seed? And the answer is not necessarily. If you've been on a regular mowing schedule and the lawn has been mowed within the last three to five days, that's not too tall to seed into. Um, what you do need to be aware of, though, is you will work up quite a bit of thatch during the seeding process, so it might be beneficial to mow after the seeding is done before you really start watering to suck up or chop up all the thatch that has been worked up uh, during the seeding process. So what happens when one shows up on a property or decides to start seeding their own lawn is first thing you'll want to do is if you have an in-ground irrigation system, make sure you flag all your heads and valve boxes or anything else that's in the lawn that you don't want to hit or run over with your equipment. It's one of those things where you don't think about it, but, you know, $30 head here or there, it could add up if you end up running over 15 heads in your lawn with the slicer. After you get the lawn flagged, then you can you have two options. The first off is just slice the seed into the soil or run a slicer over the lawn. And that's a vertical vertical blade, fixed blade that really digs down into the soil and loosens everything up. This will only go into the ground at most maybe a half inch if you've got a really good machine, but you're more likely looking at eighth to a quarter just based on how hard the soil can be. Um, the deeper you can get into there, the better. But, uh, of course, if it's hot and dry, if the ground's pretty hard, you won't be able to get down really deep. But you really don't need to either. Um, a quarter inch is just fine for getting that top layer broken up and loosened up. If you have the equipment or the time, um, I do suggest aerating prior to seeding. Core aeration, this is when you go through over the lawn with a hollow tooth or a hollow tined aerator and pull plugs. And now here's a time where, yeah, the deeper you can get it, the better. If you can pull two and a half to four inch plugs, you're doing a really good job pulling that up, being able to loosen up that soil and give a really good seed bed. So after you've gone over the lawn with the, the aerator once or twice or the slicer once, you can go ahead and spread your seed. Some machines have a seed box that you can drop the seed while you're going over it. Um, you just set that for your intended application rate. If you don't have a seed box on your machine, just use a rotary spreader and go around and uh, spread that out. Again, having that set at the right application rate. Spreading rates will vary, or the numbers will vary on each dial from machine to machine. So just make sure you know how your machine is calibrated so you know what number you need to have it set on so you're putting it out at the right application rate. If you're starting a lawn from scratch, like a bare, bare ground application of seed, you're wanting to start probably at 8 to 12 pounds per 1,000 square feet. The, the heavier and thicker you put the seed down, obviously the more plants you're going to be getting in a, you know, each square inch. But keep in mind that each little plant will get to the, about the size of your palm when it's fully mature. So you can over-apply, and with most fescues... Um, it will thin out to a, a, just a fine density. So if you put down too much seed, the really th only thing you're really losing out on is some, some money because if you're putting it down heavier, you're paying a little bit more for the seed, but it will thin out to the correct density. I have found that shade mixes, you do not 
want to over apply because it can end up choking itself out and then you're left with less than you started with. So the, when you're doing a, a, a shade mix or a, something like that, you want to make sure you hit that application rate right on the head. Now if you're overseeding a lawn, you can go lower than that obviously 8 to 10 pounds. And you're probably looking closer to, to 5 pounds um, on average per thousand square feet depending on how thick the lawn is. If, you're, if you've got a really nice lawn and you're just kind of trying to thicken it up, you know, shoot closer to three to four pounds. If you've got an established lawn, but it's patchy or has some areas that have died out over the summer, shoot for that four pounds, or I'm sorry, shoot for that five pounds per thousand square feet, and that'll be enough to fill everything in. Of course, you also want to go around all your edges in those heads that you flagged or those downspout covers, um, anything on the lawn that you couldn't run your machine over or close by, and use a four-pronged scratcher and loosen up the soil and make sure you can, again, get a nice established seed bed because what we're looking for is good seed-to-soil contact. If you go out there and you have a bare spot in your lawn and you just hand-throw seed on there and don't work it into the soil, it's just sitting on top of the soil, your germination rate is going to be minimal. After you've got your lawn worked up and your seed down, I should mention that if you have worked up a lot of thatch with the slicer, um, before you put the seed down, run a bagger mower over it or rake up that thatch and pull that off the property. That will act as a little too much excess mulch and choke things out. Once you've got your seed down, then take your slicer and go over the lawn in the opposite direction, perpendicular to the previous passes that you've made. And this will work that seed down into the soil, get it mixed in nice and deep. Um, like I said, that quarter inch or so is more than adequate. If you have aerated, you'll be pushing all those, a lot of those seeds down into those holes that you've pulled the cores out of, and that also provides a really good seed bed. Keep in mind, though, it is quite a bit deeper on that side of things, so it will take a little bit longer for your, your germination to act, you know, for you to see your germination, see those new plants coming up. Once you've gone over that, with the slicer, worked everything into the soil, then you'll want to apply your starter fertilizer. When you purchase fertilizer, you'll notice that it has three numbers on it. This is called your analysis, or NPK. That NPK stands for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. A lot of times those numbers will be something like a 131313, 2003, 184600, uh, So you need to understand which of those nutrients are doing what for your plants. Nitrogen is really good at promoting shoot growth and color. So a lot of times if you're out doing your, your spring or fall fertilizer, that first number is going to be fairly high a lot of times in the, the mid-teens to mid-twenties. The phosphorus on those is usually pretty negligible and then a, a low number of potassium. Phosphorus promotes root growth. So when you're seeding, that's the major thing that you're looking for. So that's why when we when we do our seeding, we use an 184060, and that's something that's got some good nitrogen in there to promote a little bit of shoot growth, and then the phosphorus in there really helps with the, the root growth. The reason that other fertilizers don't have a lot of that phosphorus in there is because phosphorus is fairly stable in the soil. Once it's there, it's not going anywhere, um, so it will be readily available for your for your plants for quite a while. The nitrogen, on the other hand, that leaches away, gets used up pretty quickly. So that's why a lot of times on your or your spring and your fall fertilizer applications, you'll have more nitrogen in there. 
And then the last is potassium. Potassium is another thing that is fairly stable in the soil, so you don't need to add a lot. But what that does, it helps strengthen and add rigidity to cell walls. If you can get away with it, mulch your clippings and just leave them on the property uh, without bagging or pulling them off because that gets recycled. And it's a very good nutrient to just continue recycling in the ecosystem of your lawn. You'll want that 1846-0 when you are putting down your starter fertilizer. So you've got that nitrogen to help with a little bit of uh, shoot growth, but then you know, the majority of that or nutrients is going into the roots and really promoting root growth and getting those uh, new plants established, a good foundation for them to grow on. Now that you've got your lawn seeded and uh, fertilized, now the, the next important step is something that uh, is really important and cannot be overlooked, and that is watering. Those Grass seeds need adequate moisture to germinate. So that means keeping the lawn damp for about 10 to 14 days. You need to keep that top layer wet because that's where the seed is. A little spritzing a couple times a day is adequate for that. And when, what I mean by that is if you have rotor heads, you're going to want to run your, your sprinkler system uh, 10 to 15 minutes a day, three times a day in the, in the fall seedings. I usually, you know, just to keep it simple, I go 3 a.m., 9 a.m., and 3 p.m. for your start times. And so you're watering three times a day, just a little bit to keep that top layer damp. Rotors, 10 to 15 minutes. If you have sprays, you're looking at only five to seven minutes. If it's out in the sun, go on the higher run times. If you're in the shade or on a slope, cut it back a little bit so it's not overwatering or just running off the slope. And you'd want to do that for 10 to 15 days, two weeks or so. And at that time, depending on the weather, if it's warmer out, you'll get germination rate uh, a lot quicker. Probably looking at uh, five to 10 days. If it's a little cooler, you're looking at that longer end 15 day mark. Once that new grass seed, those new plants have reached one inch to one and a half inches tall, you can cut back your watering times or how often you water, but you'll want to increase the length or the duration of watering. So instead of maybe watering twice or three times a day every day, maybe cut it back to twice a day every other day, but double the time. That way the water is going down into the soil and those roots, as it dries out from the top, those roots are going down, chasing that water, and that really helps strengthen the root system and improve the health of your plant. A lot of times people will ask me, well, after you've seeded, when can I mow? As long as it's dry enough that you can get your mower out on the lawn without tearing things up, feel free to mow. Uh, you're not going to hurt anything by mowing over new grass um, unless you, you tear it up by the roots, and that can happen when you're, you're watering so often. So if you do need to mow, say if you've done some overseeding and you've got a fairly established lawn, you know, after that two weeks, turn the system off, let it dry out for a day or two, mow and then turn your system back on. If you don't have an irrigation system and you're dragging hose and using sprinklers like that, um, it's a lot more difficult to give precise times that you'd want to water because every little sprinkler that you can purchase is a little bit different. Um, it's just one of those things that you'll have to, in those first 10 days, make sure that that top layer doesn't dry out. Sometimes that you can get by with, if you don't want to move things around so much, do a little bit longer watering with that stuff. Make sure it gets nice and wet first off, and then just kind of turn it on and water it 
as you need be. You'll just have to keep a lot closer eye on it than one would need to if they have a, a system set up to water automatically. So if you've done some seeding, spring or fall, you want to make sure that you've had enough time to mow that stand three times, actually cutting parts of that new plant off uh, before you do any type of weed control on it. So in the spring, if you've done some seeding and you're getting some crabgrass breakthrough, as long as you've mowed that lawn three times, you can go ahead and apply a post-emergent control uh, to control that crabgrass. And then now would also be a good time to put down your crabgrass preventer. Um, you'll be a little bit behind the eight ball, so you'll, you probably will have to do some post-emergent control, but you can slow things down by putting down some preventer at that point. In the fall, again, hit that after three mowings. You can cut off your dandelions, a clover, the broadleaf weeds that have popped up. If you had thought ahead, you could have maybe sprayed before you seeded. After you've sprayed, you need to wait two weeks before you can seed. Uh, just to make sure that you're not inhibiting any germination. So that's kind of the, the breakdown of what it would need to happen for a cool season lawn for seeding and the timing of that. Um, warm season, uh, pretty much follow those same procedures, except in the, you'd want to do that in, like I said, late May into June, uh, even early July. Application rates vary drastically on that. Buffalo lawn, you're only looking at uh, one to two pounds per thousand square feet. Um, if you really want to get things jump-started, you could double that to four pounds per thousand. Um, but keep in mind, buffalo grass seed is quite a bit more expensive. If you have a zoysia lawn that you're trying to th thicken up, um, overseeding is really not an option for zoysia because that produces, reproduces asexually. So you'll need to get some sod, patch that in, or plug it. Fertilizer is always helpful, um, especially if you have a zoysia lawn that's kind of thin. Get that a good shot of fertilizer in the summertime. I'll push that along. Oh, and the other thing is if mulching. If you are seeding a bare ground area, mulching will be helpful for two things. First off, it will keep the lawn from drying out as quickly. So especially if you are dragging hose and you're trying to get lawn established, mulch is very helpful. Using a prairie hay mulch or a hydro mulch that can be sprayed on with hydro mulcher. Um, that'll help keep the moisture there at the top of the soil, keep it from drying out as quickly. Both of those, you can just let it, the grass grow through there. You don't need to worry about raking it up or removing it at any time. The other thing it will help is with erosion. If you're on a slope with bare ground, it's probably a good idea to mulch it to make sure nothing slides down. If it's an extreme slope or an area where you will get a lot of water running through it or across it, um, there are different products. Um, Hydro mulch works really well, but also if it's extremely susceptible to erosion, using a straw mat, like an S150, or uh, something like that. Well, you know, you staple that into place and it will keep the, the erosion from occurring. And again, you don't need to remove that at any time. Uh, the grass will go right through it and then the, the, the hay and the straw will decompose. Um, oh, I should clarify, you do want to use a hay. Usually in straw mats, there's no there's no seeds left in there, but if you're buying a bale of hay or straw from someplace, stick with the prairie hay. Um, there's usually no weed seeds in there. I have seen quite a bit of times someone will use a, a, a straw bale and put that out. And then later in the summer, they've got wheat growing in their lawn. Uh, where did this come from? Well, it, unfortunately, it came from the straw that you used to mulch with. Fortunately, wheat is an annual, so just keep mowing it. It'll die out over time and you'll be fine. 
but it is. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer when you've worked so hard to overseed your lawn only to have these strange new plants growing in the lawn that you have no idea where it came from. Yes, if you have any questions, send me an email at, and then we can uh, respond to that immediately, and we'll even talk about some of them here on the podcast if they're pertinent. Have a great day.